I want to check on him, see how he is. He had a bit of a run-in with Bernie this morning. Seems fine. If anything, he seems happier than he's been for a while. What the hell is this, George? You absolute... Whoa! What happened to Carmen? Thoughtful. There was, um, a spider. Since when have you been scared of spiders? No, but this was a massive one. And why is it George's fault if there's a spider? Yeah, exactly. It's not like I lured them in to scare you like some arachnid pied piper. No, yeah, 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 you're right. I'm sorry, I overreacted. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Welcome to episode 169 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that thanks Imran's efforts this week make him unworthy of the nicknames Atticus Finch or Rumple of the Bailey, but might stretch to my cousin Vinny. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I'm not ready for this jelly? No. Oh. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. You're probably right. <laughs> I'm seldom prepared for jelly. Yeah. For that jelly? For, for this jelly. I'm not jelly. Yeah. Wink. Okay. <laughs> I got bootylicious just stuck in my head thanks to Drag Race. Oh. I just can't get it out of my head. Yeah, you've been watching a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. After after the disaster that was trying once again to slog through Handmaid's Tale. Did you finish that? I finished the second season. I haven't watched the third or the fourth season. I just There's a fourth? Yeah, that's the one that's up for an Emmy this year. It's the oh. fourth season. I just, I, I couldn't bring myself to try to slog through it again this week. So I started the week off watching Schmigadoon, which was hilarious because, as we've talked about before, our, our, our nighttime routine tends to be you come out of the office and you sit and you read a book and you halfway watch whatever I'm watching on television. Right. Well, you came out, you sat down, you started reading your book. And in less than five minutes, you'd gotten back up again yeah, and come I, back to the office. I have a line. I'm not <laughs> pissed all over it. Even though your countryman, Alan Cumming, was in it. He can go and take a flying fuck up himself as well. Honestly. I'm I sure hate, he's tried. I hate that shit. I, I, hate, I hate all that shit. You hate musicals. With, with Scottish twee. <laughs> Particularly, I was like, no, I'm out. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. It was good. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, and it was only like six episodes. It's done very quickly. And then Apple TV wanted me to watch Drag Race All-Stars. And I was like, absolutely. You know, they had like the first episode for free and then I had to sign up for Paramount Plus, which, you know, eventually I was going to have to sign up for Paramount That's Plus. That's how they get their money out of you. Anyway, to get my, you know, when the, the second season of Picard is, is on and I just, I can't keep using my ex's um, sign-in stuff for Paramount Plus. It just, it doesn't feel right. I've been signed up for it for years. You haven't. Because uh-huh. when because when I said, oh dear. What is your sign-in for Paramount Plus? You said you didn't have one, that we've been just using John's. I, I didn't think I did, but I do. Well, <laughs> well, now we both do. Oh, well, I can cancel mine then. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. 
Yeah, that's apparently signed up for it, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you've been paying for something that you didn't even know that you had to use. Right. Yeah, it's sounds like about Hulu. right. It's like I pay for that and never use it. You. So we were both paying for Hulu uh-huh. because the t- you can you can sign off of that too because the TV is signed up to my Hulu account. It's a podcast of discovery. <laughs> well, I can cancel that then. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got the Apple TV and the Disney Plus and the Hulu and the Paramount Plus and then you take care of the Netflix. The Amazon Prime. And the Amazon Prime. And the... And the cable. And the HBO. <laughs> so we divvy it up. But anyway, Drag Race was absolutely just what I needed this week, I think. So I'm all caught up with All-Stars and then I rewatched season 11 because a lot of the All-Stars were from season 11. So to reintroduce myself to... Silky Nutmeg Ganache and, and Raja and, and Scarlet. I just don't get how they can have horrible, bitchy arguments with each other whilst dressed like that. <laughs> I think that's why they have them because whilst dressed surely like they that. must say, wait a minute. I, either let's take all this shit off and continue this, <laughs> or let's just get on with each other because <laughs> look at ourselves. They're beautiful. Especially love the big girls. This I, for all stars. I'm just all in with with Ginger Minge. She's my girl. She's so talented. She's my height. She weighs a bit more than me, but it just because especially the big girls. You know, they get up there. They're so beautiful. They could do splits, and they're like over two hundred pounds. And it's just it's aspirational for me. <laughs> I can't do a split. Can you do a split? I don't want to. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't do a split when I was 12, so. I don't think I've <laughs> ever very, tried. very, very skinny. I, I don't think, I don't imagine I'd be able to do it. Yeah. I can basically turn around to put a seatbelt on these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week? Uh, it was, it was good. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. It was, it was uneventful. It was uneventful. technically good. I had the, the most... We've had our most viral retweeted tweet, tweet ever, which took me by surprise. I think I, I think I knew it would be somewhat popular, but mm-hmm. I didn't think it'd, it'd blow up this run away way. Like that, which is basically Sally saying the girls thirty three times in twenty one seconds. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm still making this, by the way. This was always a work in progress. Uh-huh. I just got to twenty one seconds and thought, well, that's it. There's twenty one seconds. Yeah, over. that's enough. That's enough. It's at thirty five. Want- it's at thirty five seconds now. Well, maybe you should stop and do the fizz one now. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel the same way about fizz saying it. Oh, poor fizz. It was funny about the the girls, though, because uh, Chloe from Nova Scotia, who we, mm-hmm. a, a one-time regular correspondent to the show, tweeted how she thought it was particularly funny because every time Sally says the girl, she thinks that she's talking about her boobs. <laughs> So watching it again through that lens it adds a certain extra Je ne sais quoi. Exactly. Yeah. But that was that was it. It was um That was the most exciting part of your week. Was it probably that, was. Was that actually. tweet going viral? Mm-hmm. We still this is why this is why, you know social media managers get the big bucks because you just you just really don't know what's gonna go viral and what's not. You have no idea. You you can't you can't plan for it. The Wait. one thing that I got a little bit of um, validation from was that there, there was a bit of effort went into that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, you just write 
three or four words and suddenly you get 100 likes, which does happen. Right. There was like two and a half hours worth of work mm-hmm. spread over a number of days to put all this together. Right. So I felt like, you know. You felt validation for right, it. That yeah. There was some kind of work reward deal going on yeah. that, that doesn't always happen but yeah you can you were just, doing you, that instead of cleaning the bathroom you can't or... predict it shall we preamble with you yes please give us some of that cross dressing Cory news <laughs> there's a difference between cross dressing and drag but I digress. When Corey was returned to the ITV hub during the Euros, it received mixed reviews. We loved it. Many people did not. Right. That isn't stopping ITV from considering a move back to the box set releases, leaving broadcast open to more live events and events that they think more people across the country will watch all at one time sort of thing. So get ready, guys. We, we may uh, we may be going back to this. It's it's an idea they're toying with. I think it was always done with the... The idea that this may be the future of broadcasting. Right. It would, it would become more... A more permanent arrangement. If it, if it was somewhat successful. And I think mm-hmm. it was somewhat successful. And I think the risk that was attached to it of people spoiling it for others didn't really happen. Or I no. didn't see that very much at all and i mean so, it, it really is the way of the future sort of thing i mean most things that people really talk about these days they're not on broadcast television you know like schmigadoon for example that was apple tv plus and people talking about the white lotus i think that was which i haven't watched yet i think that's netflix or something you know, there was lots of viral tweets about that Bob Ross documentary. That wasn't on NBC or ABC or CBS. That was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So it does really kind of seem like the way of the future to do something more streaming-wise where people can watch it at their leasure. The other complaint that I saw about it was that it kind of takes away from the community watch together mm-hmm. thing on Twitter. I don't think I even noticed that either. I, think I noticed the same people making making comments and snarky remarks all the way through it as as I was doing Mm -hmm. as normal. So I didn't really see a reduced um, activity there either. So it it suits us because it means that you can get your ducks in a row earlier in the week. Right. Absolutely. I don't think this is done with people who are podcasting in mind. And I don't think this is done with people who are on Twitter in mind. There are people who watch Coronation Street and it's a small proportion of them that tweet about it. Right. And even smaller proportion of them who do a podcast about it right it just, yeah. it just so happens that it yeah it suits us a bit better but again you know it seems like they they're thinking that things like the euros or you know things that are happening in real time will get more people's eyes on itv broadcast than something that you can eventually watch mm-hmm. on the hub or something so it's controversial but it is it is an idea that is that is out there so prepare gird your loins Hmm. (laughs) melissa johns who played kate's ex imogen on the show has more things cooking as a competitor on 
Celebrity MasterChef. We wish her all the luck in the world. Cooking up good stuff on Celebrity MasterChef, which I don't think is a thing here. And you would think that it would be because Americans really love Gordon Ramsay. He's not on MasterChef. Well, he's on MasterChef here in America. Oh. The U.S. MasterChef. So you'd think that they would, you know, want to put him on television as much as possible. I'm kind of losing any last respect that I had for Gordon Ramsay now that he's trying to hawk his own app. Now that he's trying to become like the new Anthony Bourdain. He's hawking, well, I don't think With Anthony Bourdain travel ever, stuff. ever hawked an app on, well, no. on TV. But is this, it looks like a Candy Crush thing again. But he refers to his little Gordon, which isn't a good image in this. No. To have in your head about. No. No. So. no. And he tries to act in the commercial and he can't act. No, That's never good. he really can't. But you know what? He's not suicidal. Well, not that we know of. He, isn't, he hasn't sexually molested anyone or sexually not, harassed not anyone. So he's got a one-up on many, many other celebrity chefs. He's not boring and annoying and naggy. So, yeah, I don't know who the guys are that do MasterChef in the UK. It's Greg Wallace and oh, I can't remember the other one. Yeah. They're reasonably friendly. Yes. Which is boring. You want a John something. You want an angry shouty chef. Which is more realistic. It's more true to life as someone who's worked and who worked all through college in in restaurant kitchens. Yeah, I don't think this show's trying to make people cry. Yeah. That's a shame. Finally, we all know Evelyn can be a bit salty. It's part of her charm and character, but she does love her family. And, you know, we thought that this came through week to week, that even though she's salty and snarky, it's done from a place of love. Right. Right. Oh. Well, at least 300 people disagree with that <laughs> because 300 people last week filed offcom complaints over her comments about Hope's therapy being touchy feely in New Age. It was offensive to call you know, her play therapy, touchy-feely in New Age, and that she needed actual real therapy with a real therapist. Which, to me, wasn't even the most... Overwhelming urge to pinch the bridge of my nose here. Yeah, it, it wasn't even remotely the, to my mind, the most possibly offensive thing that she's ever said. But apparently they get a lot of complaints about Evelyn, which is a shame, because she's... <laughs> But when you boil it down, I'm complaining because this person has a view different from mine in a fiction show. Mm -hmm. Do you want to walk through that any slower? It's fiction. It's somebody who has an opinion. Mm -hmm. It's not yours. Right. Do you need people in your fiction to share? Even the baddies share your right. worldviews? No. <sighs> It's a yeah. waste of an email that, or a phone call or a stamp. Right. Certainly. And it's a waste of, I think, what Ofcom was is meant to do and stuff. Because they're like, well, we're investigating it very seriously. Well, aren't there like actual potentially offensive things slipping through that are offensive on a more hate crime level sometimes on television as opposed to complaining about smoking? Or somebody referring to therapy as new age, which isn't even really a, I mean, it's, it's very 
antiquated language on Evelyn's part. Nobody ever uses that anymore. And I guess that may be what makes it offensive. Even if it is, so fucking what? <laughs> if it's offensive, first of all, why? But even if it is so, yeah. you're, you're, you're allowed to be offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm sure there are, there are people offended by me saying so fucking what? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's... I mean, there are certain lines that you don't cross, like the N-word and the F-word. Not the F-word you used, the other F-word. Again, Coronation Street, more off-com complaints than Love Island. I just don't get people switching (laughs) their TV, watching a story, and expect to see themselves reflected from every character that's in it. It would be so dull if that was a a thing. And and plus, not everything's there to make you feel good. Well, yeah. I mean, and it, at least if you're complaining about something on Love Island, those are actual people expressing their actual views. Mm-hmm. They're not fictitious. They're real people, right. believe it or not. And now we'll podcast for coffee. Thanks to John and Helen, not you, for not their me. coffee purchases this week, which we've added to the bundle that we'll be sending to rescue.org at the end of the month. And then we're going to continue this on until the end of September. I think it's easy, particularly if you don't watch the news, to assume that it's all gone a bit quiet with regard to the Afghan situation, but it's still pretty dire. Mm. So until the end of September, any and all coffees bought for us will be converted back into dollars and donated to International Rescue Committee. I would think that it's even more dire now that there are suicide bombings involved. Yeah. And an airstrike last night to retaliate for those suicide bombings. That's a situation in the (laughs) heart, certainly. So thank you very much to John and to Helen for their donations. It's very much appreciated. Mm -hmm. And if you want to buy us a coffee for next week, knowing that it's going to go to Afghanistan, go to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash the talk of the street. And now this. There we go. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Chill Your Beans, Annie Lennox. Oh, this is Debbie. This is somebody talking to Debbie. This is... Who is this talking to Debbie? Is this... Is this Gemma? That's right. This was Abby's reaction to Debbie warning her to treat Kevin well. I was Gavin and you were Wakanda forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this is the... This is the one-year anniversary of... The death of Chadwick Boseman. Yep, who I hadn't heard of this time last year. Yeah, because you didn't go to see Black Panther with us. No. It was a smooth transition with the kids coming home from Connecticut, so they were already home this time last year. Yeah, they're typically home. The rental car kept telling you to rest and you struggled to come to town for the features. Yeah, I don't like a car telling me what to do. <laughs> Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who'd have thought that that's your Or line? doing things automatically. Mm-hmm. I'd been awake for 20 minutes and it definitely showed as low-flying references just buzzed above my head for the entire preamble. <laughs> a little bit of a nothing burger week on the cobbles this week. Oh, well, that's, that seems to be a year oh. and yearly tradition. Yeah. Wasn't good this week. Not great. Not great. Not great, Jim. <laughs> I've managed to pilfer a bottle of morphine out of the hospital and buy Peter 
but he's so onto her. This immediately causes trouble between Abby and Debbie because Abby can't be allowed to be happy for any length of time. Todd's mysterious re-entry into the street remains unclear, but gives Craig another chance to breach his numerous confidences with his employer to inform Billy and Sean that Todd had previously been found and acquitted. Mm-hmm. Not even a world-famous brunch is enough for Jenny to be impressed by Johnny's return from France, and Scott is very keen to have a quick word. That was still going on last year. Ooh la la. Ugh. Daniel sees his creepiness from last week and ups it to double creepiness this week. Paul and Gemma get ready to rumble with an H. Tim's dad hates hoovering. Our moment of the week was Carla confronting Peter about having Abby's skis. Remember Peter being Abby's saviour? Yeah. Remember Peter having to be somebody's saviour? Yeah. And our boring moment of the week was Bertie's trash. <laughs> and that was Coronation Street. Oh, that's right, because Bertie kept Street picking up trash and being fascinated by it. And mm-hmm. Daniel couldn't stop talking about Bertie being fascinated by trash. Right. Yeah. Kind of, kind of miss that now. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Now, our first storyline was also our last storyline, so let's jump to our second storyline of the week, which is Bad Air Day. See what I did there? No. On Monday, Gary's home from visiting Herbert H. Humphrey in Bristol, and within five seconds of seeing Maria, the two of them are talking about the parking restrictions on uh, Inkerman Street. Out comes Liam, who's still got that tickled cough. Maria goes on to mention that she's overheard Imran complain about having no money for Kelly the Chin's case. Mm. There's a little crossover between this. Right, yes, and other things. But I I handle it professionally. Good. At the furniture thing, Gary's secretly secretly counting money when Maria and Liam come in, and Liam quickly goes off to play with Jack. And Gary reveals that what he's counting is his savings, and he's going to add it to Imran's defence fund which Maria is none too happy about. No, she's not. She fails to be impressed. They're married and this was money for their future. All roads lead back to Rick the Chin, says Maria. And no money is going to make this right for Kelly. Choose either Kelly the Chin or or me. me. So he chooses Kelly the Chin. (laughs) And Maria (laughs) must spot Gary. He does a little postman routine as he puts a brown envelope through the law office door. She leaves him a message that says... Basically, you're dumped again. Mm-hmm. Sally and Aggie are arguing with her about the parking situation while Liam and Jack are kicking a ball about. Liam clutches his belly and then collapses in a coffin fit that nobody notices. Right. Apart from Jack. Right. Who just stands there and watches it and then, for ages. And then says, and tries to shout for Maria, but she's too busy fighting with Sally about traffic. Mm-hmm. He finally uh. manages to attract Maria and Aggie's attention while Sally runs in circles round her bag mm-hmm. as she attempts to call for an ambulance. Yes. But when the ambulance comes, there are too many cars parked that can't get down the street. The paramedics get there before Ronnie moves his car and the police can finally trundle down Coronation Street to mm-hmm. the, the, the scene. The scene of the asthma attack. Asthma attack. I think Aggie has it fairly quickly yeah. um, assessed. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. And Sally, for some reason, is is nagging the paramedics about getting oxygen on the kid. It's like, Sally, shut the fuck up and sit down. <laughs> What's wrong with you? He's whisked away to the hospital where the doctor confirms that Liam has asthma, which Maria finds weird because he's so fit and healthy. As there are no other clear signs, the doctor thinks that the new parking regulations on Inkerman Street are to blame. Liam is better now in explaining to Maria... 
how much he hates the new parking regulations on the Inkerman Street when Gary comes in. All right, mate. And outside the room, he's upset that he had to find out from Kirk that uh, Liam had this turn. Maria tells him that he's made his decision and his indifference towards them has consequences. She eventually tells him that it's asthma and it could be brought on by the stress of his living arrangements or the recent imposed parking regulations on Inkerman Street well, the inc- and the knock-on effect that this has on parking on Coronation Street. The increased air pollution caused by more cars being on Coronation Street. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not the parking, it's the exhaust right. fumes and yeah. stuff. That's, that's, my, that's my little joke. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Maria's <laughs> chatting about, well, because the doctor doesn't say that this is about the parking regulations on Inkerman Street. The doctor never says that, although the doctor kind of comes close to saying it. Right. He's like, has there been increased traffic where you live? And there has. I think this more was, people are parking there. See, I'm going to write to off comedy complain about that doctor, because I think the doctor putting this fly in Maria's ear uh-huh. was uh, unwarranted and unprofessional. Well, no, because he's absolutely right. Increased- he has absolutely no idea of what her living arrangements are like. Right, but that's what he's asking. He can't possibly comment. Right, well, he can say... Because is now the- she, she's going away thinking that this is definitely the reason why Liam's got asthma. Well, And he- it might have nothing to do with that. No, he probably already had asthma, but this is what is triggering the attacks, is the increased air pollution. And that's absolutely what happens. That's and, and why this, more kids... Doctors- unprofessional opinion well no that's not an opinion it's a fact that's why it's not a fact because he doesn't know how liam lives no that's why he asked that's why why he should go you can't just take maria's word for it she's up to high though she's emotional right the doctor is just and he doesn't say oh well that's definitely he says yeah that's that may be gives her like very few options well there are very few options you know it's bollocks Stress, air pollution, a new pet, which they don't have, you know, allergies, which he doesn't have. I didn't, I didn't see any problem with the doctor the way that you seem to, but that's fine. Clearly. It's okay. We can disagree on things. So Maria is chatting about Liam with Kirk. He's in the factory and when he drives off, it backfires and Maria does some great smell the fart acting as she lingers (laughs) in the fumes. So, although she doesn't work at the factory, she storms in at the factory and demands that Sarah takes Kirk's van off the road right now. See, this is what happens when you tell Maria things. Sarah says, until she takes her tank off the road, she'll be doing fuck all, thank you very much. Yeah. So, enraged, Maria grabs a big metal thing from the garage and starts smashing up, presumably, the other factory van, the hybrid one. No, no, it, Kirk, because Kirk is back. Oh. already because he runs out so that is the right he she she it's not the hybrid one she's smashing it is the gas the older gas guzzler because kirk is back already mm. because he runs out of the factory while maria does her britney spears impersonation free britney so sarah kev kirk sally all try to get maria to calm down kev mentions that she's already done probably about a grand's worth of damage if this saves one kid's life, she says, which it won't, but then the red mist evaporates and she drops the metal thing and wanders home. On Wednesday, Liam's out of the hospital. Gary tries to tell him that asthma won't stop him from being a hard man like his mum. She's got a community <laughs> service order, has to pay for the damages, and she has to go and say sorry. Right. And How quickly the wheels of justice seem to have moved in this case. Right. Within 24 hours. Yeah. <sighs> And also, like, 
the acting like asthma is asthma can be very bad and it can be life-threatening but for most people right. with asthma which is a good chunk of the world especially in industrialized countries lots and lots of people have asthma lots and lots of kids have inhalers you're not going to get mocked for having an inhaler that's that's not a thing anymore it's not the 80s where say it properly nerds the n- <laughs> it's not the 1980s Thank you. <laughs> where you were labeled a nerd in a square for having an inhaler and a pocket protector and tape wrapped around the bridge of your glasses mm-hmm. and coke bottle lenses on your glasses <laughs> as well and your pants pulled up to here so yeah Maria, who doesn't work at the factory, goes into the factory now to apologise. Sarah, though, isn't impressed after yesterday's stunt. Next time you want to be an eco-warrior with a crowbar, you can get to fuck. On her way out, Maria asks for a word with Sally outside. So outside, Maria explains that she's on side with Sally about the traffic thing now. Sally pretends that she started the campaign campaign because of air quality, which she didn't. Mm. Maria is now Team Sally. Then Maria is in the rovers with her Sally badge on and clipboard and apologises again to Sarah. No harm done, says Sarah. Yeah, but there is harm being done, says Maria, who starts looking around for another crowbar. Sarah points out that Gary's van isn't powered by fairy dust, and Maria wants to know Sarah's environmental policy. Look, Erin Brockovich, says Sarah, leave the ecology wars to those with PhDs, not GHDs. Yeah, Sarah is a bit of a cow here, isn't she? Nope. No. I'm totally team Sarah on this. She, she is, because... The factory should have an environmental policy. I think it's the law that they need to have an environmental policy. Yeah, and it'll probably be up in the in the staff room. Right. Where you don't work, Maria. Right. But as somebody who lives in the community, she has an absolute right to know their environmental policy. In the pub? Because it doesn't matter if it's you the can, pub. You can approach Sarah in the pub, out of work. And demand to know what her environmental well, policy just, is. She didn't demand, she asked. She's like, what is your environmental policy at the factory? And, you know, instead of insulting her intelligence and calling her Julia Roberts. Ian Brokovich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's talking about Julia Roberts, though. She's not talking about the actual Aaron Brokovich. You know, she could have been like, that's a very good question. We do have one. And I don't have it right in front of me right now, but I'll email it to you or we can talk about it later. You know, I don't think I'll email it to you makes for all that good drama. No, no. But still, the way that she's I mean, it seems like the show is trying to be, you know, a very important storyline about climate change and stuff. This is my problem with it. But yes, you know, and they're very don't get me wrong. They're very, very clunky with it. And it's... And I'm, it's, it's I'm fisted, I would say. It's, it's bridging on... It's bridging on the line of camp and satire at this point, mm-hmm. which is not helpful to the cause. But neither is saying that regular everyday people who don't have higher levels of education shouldn't be concerned about these sorts of things and shouldn't confront however maria has had an interest in this in approximately 24 hours yeah and during that 24 hours she's already vandalized a van (laughs) so sarah 
I think she's well within the rights to tell Maria to get to fucking this instance. Maybe, maybe later, maybe she'll calm down a little bit. Here's a copy of her environmental policy. But right yeah. here, right now. Well, you can, you can you, find it on our website. You can do one, Maria. Bolt. Yeah. Still kind of cowish, the way that she worded it. Nope. I'm going to, I'm going to donate to her, uh, uh, her Patreon. <laughs> Sarah's Patreon. I'm going to be her, become a patron. Pay for more leather skirts. <laughs> so, Maria. You know those le- that leather skirt of hers. Maria is a... Uh, and yet you t- and yet you say you don't understand drag. Maria goes to try to feel superior now by speaking to Gary. She's interested to know what he intends to do about his gas guzzling van. And Gary <laughs> pretends that he doesn't hear her, and that's as far as we get with that this week. Right, and she also says that she's going to get rid of her gas guzzling big SUV thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and Gary's like, "Yeah, good, because it's it's not worth putting the gas in." Right. The problem is, is that somebody else is going to be driving around instead of her. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really solve the problem. But anyway. I, all right. We've already said it. The, the, the ham-fisted way the show is trying to take on climate change Well, is, it seems to be trying to take on a number of things here. Again, another childhood ailment. I, I'm worried for Ruby now. Is she going to get diphtheria in the next couple of weeks? Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, let's, let's, let's cool it with the sick Every, every kid has got something. Right. Or, or so it seems. I was curious about Jack's reaction, though. Because he just stands there, and he does nothing for ages, and then he continues to just, just stand there. And I thought, because he's taking a bit of stick for this. All right. Maybe maybe it's because he's, uh, after what happened to him, right. he sees this kind of thing going on, and it just it frightens him so much that mm-hmm. he's... yeah. He, he becomes a statue. Right, yeah. But and they, they never address it. No. So No, that's because Jack needs to be concerned later in another storyline about something else. So they're, they're These never poor going kids to, growing up on the street. They're I never going you. to address it now. No. So that's past. No. And, and all he did was act weird when this happened. Yeah. But then he did eventually You know, I don't I don't I don't fault Jack because you could barely clearly hear Liam hacking up all over the street and that didn't stop maria and sally from bickering at one another right and even when jack starts to shout for maria it takes a number of him times of him shouting for maria for maria to finally turn around and see her kid having an asthma attack on the street Mm -hmm. so let's 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 point the fingers where they belong at the adults (laughs) because once again None of them are winning any Parent of the Year awards. Just write that differently. I don't know why it was written that way. Because Jack's just doing what Jack gets told to do. Right. Yeah. Young Kieran is not improvising this scene. No. This is what you need to do. Right. Yes. And if you're not doing it the way that you need to do it, then we'll do it again. So so this is how they're happy with it. So just to leave it hanging like that just seemed really, really strange. Yeah. and, And let's, yeah, let's not forget this kid has one leg. Right. I mean, yes. Let's not forget. Let's that. not forget that. You know, he's already gone through his own medical trauma. We've already had a kid die on the street this year through medical trauma. So all of this stuff is probably going through this poor kid's mind. Like, oh God, not another one. What do you think about Sally changing the purpose of her campaign to suit the person that she's trying to uh, press gang into? It? She's a politician. Politicians do that all the time. I've done it. 
Well, me surprised. And, I mean, it may... And we don't know. I mean, it wasn't the foremost... It wasn't the reason why she started this. No, but she it started because she got a ticket. But it is a good reason to be doing this because it is an issue. So... There's like half a dozen cars parked on Coronation Street there's now. There's more than half a dozen. <laughs> there's like there can't be. There's, it's not that big a street. And well, and see, that's the problem. There are too many cars on that street now. You can't walk. You can't see people. See, this is why nobody has a car. Right, but now all of a sudden, lots of people in the neighboring. Everyone's parked on the street later on. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie's Mercedes is blocking ambulances from right. getting on the street. Yeah, well, that's Mercedes drivers for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is if this is Maria's big important storyline, I'm not buying it. Yeah, the way the way they have her react with like the whole, I, I guess it makes good television. I guess it's dramatic, but is it really helping anything? If you if you pull off this stereotype of the eco-warrior going around smashing other people's cars and being an ag. Right. She's basically you know, vegan now. You don't see Greta going around smashing people's vans. You don't. No. You see Greta sailing to New York. Right. There's an idea for you, Maria. There we go. Have her sail to New York. Right. We'll see and, you in a bit, man. Good and, luck to you. And shake Arnold Schwarzenegger's hand. <laughs> yes. Our next storyline today, just us, I think it's, this is just a Monday, it's for We Need to Talk About Hope. On Monday, Tyrone is trying to sneak out the flat without waking Alina, but he fails. She realises that his mind is over the road with his. Ty shits himself until she goes on to say that he's worried about the family meeting thing today. So ahead of the youth officer person, Evelyn is frustrated by Fizz and Tyrone being awkward around each other. Think of the girls and sort your shit out, she says, when there's the expected knock at the door. And the meeting has gone well, and afterwards Fizz wants to talk about the elephant in the room. Ty is still awkward, but decides to go with it being a mistake. The Emotions running high, the yes. being a mistake. It'll never happen again. And disappointed, Fizz agrees that it's for the best. So Ty and Alina are in the rovers chatting to Emma about engagement rings. In comes Fizz, who must be gagging for a shite because she heads straight for the lavvy. She advises Alina gets the biggest rock she can flog it when Tyrone lets her down. Alina tells Tyrone to have a word and sort this out once and for all. So in the beer garden, Ty thought Fizz was cool with engagement stuff. Fizz says that she is, she doesn't give a shite, and she promises to keep Stum about last night's uh, little dalliance. And this last bit is overheard by Emma and the Ginnel, who, who drops the glass. glass. So Ty over-explains about him and Fizz trying to sort out cover for the kids and get their rota together, and Emma is dead suspicious, but is glad to see the two of them talking. And later... I'll, I'll, Emma is on the phone to, I presume, Alina, hmm. seemingly talking her into getting an expensive ring when Tyrone walks by and insists that Alina didn't want a big fancy one. Right. Emma looks troubled by what she overheard earlier. So Emma catches up with Ty at the garage and accuses him of keeping his options open and having an affair with Fizz. If I wanted Fizz, I'd still be with her, says Ty. Fair point. Kev overhears this and Ty comes clean. Wait, says Kev, you cheated on Fizz with Alina and now you're cheating on Alina with Fizz. Mm-hmm. That's about the size of it. So as if to prove he has no feelings for Fizz, Ty rushes off to buy the biggest engagement ring money can buy. So at the flat, 
Alina <sighs> asks Emma to be her bridesmaid. Emma agrees. Just as Tyrone comes in, and once he checks that Emma hasn't grasped him up, he presents Fizz. No, he doesn't pre- present Fizz. He no. presents Alina with his massive ring. But not, but like, not that. like that. Emma sucks a tooth as she sees her best friend Mel, and that's as far as we get with that this week. So we're going through with this then. Yep, that is my first bullet point. So we're really going through with this engagement <laughs> shite. That's what I've written down. What the fuck? <laughs> Seriously. I'm disappointed that we don't get the whole family meeting thing with this new person who's supposed to be helping Hope. Because that's the interesting storyline here. Right. That's the thing we're invested in because we're invested in Hope. We've been invested in Hope since she was very, very small. And now she's very, very tall. And I'm Dr. Seuss. Well, she's not very, very tall, but she's taller. You know. (laughs) Well, that's making the golden reel. (laughs) You know, we were, we were, remember, remember when they broke up and we're like, oh, well, we knew this was going to happen. It was interesting while it lasted, I guess. But it's good that they broke up. Now we can move on. Who do you mean by the Ty and Fizz or Ty and Alina? Ty and Alina. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we're like, oh, well, we knew that we knew. Because I remember being upset about Ty and Fizz. Right. We're like, well, we knew this was going to happen from the beginning of this relationship. They really don't have anything in common. Why on earth would you want to marry a man whose daughter tried to kill you? What is going on here? Right. You know. And then she thinks, and then this whole engagement mix up and we're like, well, it's obvious Ty doesn't really want to be engaged. It's obvious Ty really wants to be a good dad for once and focus on hope. And now he's going through with it. And now he cares. See, I think the the indicator towards this was our big, massive photo. Yeah. Because that must have cost a pretty penny to put together. Yeah. And they're not going to just... Because look, in any other circumstance, if Alina breaks up with Ty, which she did... Yeah, she's the one who broke up she, with him. She broke up. She broke up with him. The first thing you would do... Is burn that picture. Burn that fucking picture, right? And she doesn't do it. So when Ty... And that would make good television. So when Ty's sleeping on the couch and that picture's still People there... People of many nations that would still cheer. There, right, right. That picture's still there. Yeah, but you never really see it. You know it's still there. No, you do see it. You see like sometimes a corner you, of it. Sometimes you think you see it and you don't see it, but sometimes it, it is really in the corner of the screen. Right. But like, you don't see the whole thing. It's not like no, that big of a deal. No, you don't need to see it. though. Have them break up. Build a bonfire. Mm-hmm. Unite the world <laughs> in celebration. Right. Why are we even doing this when it's not the most interesting aspect of Tyrone's life now? That, I think we're, we we're need maybe, to focus on the hope stuff. We're maybe strung a little bit by how often hope's allowed on the set. Mm, yeah. That, okay, that fair might point. have something to do with it. But still. In that case, let's talk about something else, you know. Right, yeah. And in that case, it's not like we don't have a million other storylines we could be doing this week. Yeah. I understand there are characters called Peter and Carla in the show. Are there? Mm Mm-hmm. I I understand that this is true. I've yet to see, because we've only been doing this for three years, right? So (laughs) we've yet to come across Remember when we used to complain that it seemed like the Peter and Carla show? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I guess maybe we shouldn't complain so much about it being the the Nick and Leanne show because maybe you, then you never see them again. Maybe we'll never <clears throat> see them again. There's one thing though, never seen them again. But there's quite another thing to have a fairly dramatic storyline, not reach its um, not reach its payoff, mm-hmm. and then not see them again. Right. Because he's, he's had a liver transplant. For right. God's yes. Sake. They've moved into a flat. Yes. Presumably Johnny's living with them? Because where is Johnny living if he's not living with them? Where is Johnny living? I was going to be indignant about that in the next storyline, so let's right. just jump on to that. Then, yes, please. Which is Jenny round the block. On Monday, through the back in the rovers, Daisy humbly insists to Jenny that she's feeling remorse for her mistake. You've made mistakes, she says, as Exhibit A walks in. It's Ronnie, and he's quick to announce that he has a date with Debbie later. But it turns out that the meeting was innocent. Jenny pretends that she doesn't want to see Ronnie taken advantage of. Ronnie says jealousy is an ugly emotion, and flustered, Jenny insists that she isn't lying jelly, and then rushes off. Later, Jenny rises to Daisy's bait about being jelly again. She insists a relationship is the last thing she's looking for, and Debbie is welcome to Ronnie. Later, Daisy tries to pin down Ronnie on his feelings for Debbie because if he wants to go there, he'd better hurry up and snap her up while she's still available. Jenny, that is. So on Wednesday, Ronnie is suited and booted and wants to ask Jenny out for a meal. Mm -hmm. But she's busy trying to break up one of Kirk's shits and the gents, so she'll (laughs) let him know. Good luck with that shit, he says. Later... Jenny mentions to Daisy about Ronnie asking her out and how she uh, knocked him back. Daisy can't believe it. Jenny will regret not giving this a shot. So Ronnie is back in the pub with some blooms that are being given away. When Jenny isn't impressed, he insists that the charm is all in the delivery. Yeah, it is. Jenny is touched but thinks it's too soon for her. He understands. He just thought it was worth a shot when Daisy gave him the green light. Daisy had the twat with the who and the when now? Yeah. So in the back in the rovers, Jenny wants a word with Cupid. Daisy says that she only gave him a little push and Jenny cannot deny that she enjoys the attention of a handsome man and she refuses to apologise for interfering. Because she's already apologised for interfering a number of times. The other times that she tried to interfere. Mm-hmm. Maybe stop interfering, Daisy. That's just that's so tiring. Don't, don't, don't you have your own love life to sort out this week? Or any week. It felt like they're trying to do this differently this week where Daisy's interference is cute. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's because it's, it's this is all she does. Right. And it's it continues to annoy. I would forgive it if it was the first time, but it's not. Can we can we please have Daisy do something else now? Right. I think I think Jenny and Ronnie both know how they feel about one another. I don't really think Either one of them need Daisy to be nudging them. No. No. So on Friday, Ronnie is looking dapper in the rovers and claims he's too late for a meeting for the, uh, the breakfast that she's rustling up. They check each other out a little bit and they, they check each other is still okay and they promise to remain friends. Although what that looks like, who knows. But Ronnie's in his fancy jacket. Right. All buttoned up and... Jenny wants him to sit down for an English breakfast. Yeah. Dress like that. No. You sit him down for an English something, but not an English breakfast, I don't <laughs> think. Daisy's still going on about Jenny and Ronnie in the back room when Johnny comes in, ears are burning. 
Johnny and Jenny have a wee heart-to-heart together. They both admit to still loving each other, but Johnny says that they know the marriage is over. He tells her to look to the future. Now how about lasagna? And Ronnie (laughs) seems a decent bloke, he says. Ronnie and Ed are in the bistro. Ed is going through his issues and other storylines, so Ronnie picks up the tab. Debbie's serving, and Ronnie points out that they've been undercharged, so leaves a very generous tip. £15 for two starters at the bistro. But not like that. But it's more than two starters. She forgot to put the two starters on the bill. So yeah, they which ate. was 15 quid. But, but, she, but they had more than just two starters. Yeah, which is why he paid 50 quid. But the starters were 15. Were they? Because mm-hmm, they said there should be an extra 15 on that. Hmm. He leaves a generous tip. Not like that. And Debbie <laughs> reminds him that he can get wired into her vagina anytime that he fancies. Right, yes. That so, she's open to more than just the tip. If you know what I mean. Right. The whole kielbasa. Enchilada. Well, yeah, I went for kielbasa. Enchiladas are thicker than kielbasa. Yeah, but they're messy. Oh, well. <laughs> I suppose. Later, Daisy comes in to find out how it went. And when Jenny explains We're going to get an off-club complaint. About Johnny being a gent. Come at us. The two of them get super excited <laughs> about getting together with Ronnie, who apparently is in the bar. They're all kind of... Mm-hmm. Flappy hands and right, rawr yeah. and that was that was actually quite amusing. Yeah, scene. that was nice. I liked that. But he's already there with Debbie. With Debbie, all pigs tits, says Jenny. Because who, sh- who flashes a bit of shoulder there? Yep. Debbie, who takes off her jacket, and there are her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Shoulders. She present. looks fabulous. She does look fabulous. She looks great. I was curious why Jenny didn't suss that something's up when Daisy said, "Well, you're in luck because he's just come in and he's ordered." Uh, a Malbec a wine with, two, with glasses. two glasses. Why would it be? What, what are you thinking, Daisy? That he ordered that on the off chance that, that right. Je- so Debbie and Ronnie are chatting about ghosts as Jenny watches on unhappily. And Sasquatch. She's further upset when Ronnie orders another bottle of wine. Why, Mister Ronnie, you're trying to make me bladdered? Giggles Debbie. <laughs> Ronnie and Imran are now in the Rovers. Imran. Imran. Ronnie's not let him run in the Rovers. <laughs> Ronnie and Ed are now in the Rovers. There you go. Chatting about Ronnie's decision between Debbie and Jenny. Johnny comes over, seems to be asking for a fight for a while, mm. then declares himself out and tells him that Jenny and Ronnie will make a lovely couple if that's what he wants. Right. Take care of my Jenny, says Johnny. Now here's a lasagna. Cook it at 400 for 30 <laughs> minutes or until the cheese bubbles. And then you've got a... <laughs> I can't do it. So Ronnie goes through to and speak. Then he to asks, and then he and then Johnny asks Ed, "Who eats chili without rice?" Right. And Ed says, "All Americans." Yeah, Ed and Ronnie are very confused by the end of this exchange. <laughs> so Ronnie goes through to speak with Jenny and tells her about Johnny's advice. They dance around the subject a bit, and even though they both want more, they agree to just remain friends, even though nobody knows what remaining friends is because they've never been just friends. Okay. They're on a break. And that was the end of that for this week. Yeah. Jenny and Johnny getting back together? No. God, I hope not. No. It was weird watching him walk through the rovers, though, because it's like, oh, that's right. And it's hilarious because, like, earlier before he does that, I was thinking, well, I guess I guess Johnny's off the show now. Where does he live? Where is he? Nobody knows. That you can just wander in. Nobody knows. The trouble he's seen. I need to know where he's living. And I, I really don't. I think seeing Jenny and 
Johnny together again proved what a good idea it was to split them up. Yeah. Because Jenny's far more interesting without Johnny. Yes. And we don't need Johnny. <laughs> we don't need Johnny. Jenny's better without him. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Jenny and Ronnie together would be fabulous. Although it although would. It would be. Although it absolutely would be. Although I'm I'm not mad at Debbie and Ronnie. No, I could live with that. I could live with that. I quite like Ronnie just going round the street with women of a certain age. Yes. Putting a smile on faces. Yes, he's the new Ken Barlow. <laughs> he is indeed. They're trying to humanise Daisy here. I thought particularly they were with the whole... Right, yeah, the whole giggling thing. But... I, see, I keep on forgetting that you don't hate her. Yeah, I don't hate her. I don't hate her, and I never will. I think she serves a purpose. And I think she's a lot more interesting than, say, Alina. As far as character is concerned. I used to love Alina. I don't love Alina anymore because they made her like this giggling puddle. And they made her stupid. And she wasn't stupid before. And they lean way way too heavily on her not understanding the English language, which I think is really annoying and obnoxious. Mm -hmm. And I just would just rather her not be on the street than to have this happening all the time. I kind of want Daisy to have some redeeming feature about her. And I don't feel that she has one because I don't believe anything that she says. I still kind of want her to hook up with Daniel. I still think that would be interesting. Couple of the year stuff there. Jesus. All right, moving on to Hollenbach. On Monday, at the Baileys, Grace finds some paperwork of Ed's. He's bought a fixer-upper at an auction with Aggie. It's a great investment opportunity in an area that's being gentrified. Grace is impressed, even more so when Ed offers to help her and Michael in their search for a house too. The insinuation being that once we've made enough money off of this one, Mm -hmm. we can buy one for you guys. Yeah. Grace, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory talking houses with Michael and talking about Ed's offer. She wants to get some viewings arranged. Well, this all sounds marvellous, says Michael, and he wanders away. (laughs) She notices that he isn't too excited about it. He claims to like having free childcare from his parents. So Grace decides to announce that she's been offered a job in Hull, and now she's starting to think about accepting it. Why is Hull such a threat? (laughs) Right. And who's offering Grace a job? She says one of her friends Friends? What friends? She doesn't have any friends. She she does somewhere. She must. And her aunt lives in Hull. Does she? Yeah. So it would, because this is why Hull is constantly the place that Grace is threatening to go if if she's not living there. Yeah, Hull is Peter's Portsmouth. Peter's Portsmouth. That is really difficult to say. Peter's Portsmouth? Evidently. Yeah. I mean, it's... How many miles between Hull and Manchester? A, a couple of hundred, maybe. I don't know. It's a cross country. It's yeah. on the East Coast. It's a very small country, though. Right. But, you know, a couple of hundred of miles a is, a, is a big deal. <sighs> is it? Compared we're in the same house. Right. Yeah. Still, you know, I don't, I don't like where the story goes. Oh, God, no. 
but I'm but I'm also I also really feel for Grace in a number of ways. And it's weird that they've made this character who, when introduced, has essentially kidnapped a child. Right. And and made Michael love this child that wasn't his child. I remember. That they've made that character sympathetic Mm -hmm. is interesting. And I hate where it goes this week. Back home, Michael would prefer to have his baby grow business up and running before anything major like moving. Grace offers to help with that. Great, we can live and work together now, says Michael. Right, and (laughs) and hello, he wouldn't have this baby grow business if she hadn't put together his website. Well, that's true. You know, she's already helped out, and he seemed to appreciate the help before, but now he's not appreciative of the help. He just doesn't want to work with her. I, I really can, see why. I, I'm really starting to hate Michael now. <laughs> On Wednesday, Grace is becoming unbearably gleeful. James comes in with a letter from the IOPC who are recommending that his complaint about the racism is reopened and investigated. And that's all we hear about that this week. Yes. So Michael is on his own in the community garden. Ronnie comes along and they go over stuff they've already spoken about regarding Grace and Glory. Michael thinks getting his hole with her was mistake number one. Mistake, well, yes. Mistake number two was talking about going into business together. Mm-hmm. He simply doesn't trust her or love her. Well, maybe tell her then, says Ronnie. Yeah, but maybe you should have told her before you did all these other things. Right. Well, like I said, he's got to be shagging something. And he the really doesn't. There's uh, lots of people in the street who are not shagging anything. And anything. And the Rovers. An or ex- anyone. An excitable Grace wants to arrange a meeting with Adam to draft a partnership. Yeah, about that, says Michael. I don't love you anymore. <laughs> Grace takes it well. Back home, Grace wants to know why he pretended to love her. He says that he thought in time his feelings would change. He tried. <laughs> well, it's good that you tried then. Uh-huh. And was scared that he'd lose glory. Grace goes upstairs for a shite. Ed and Aggie get home to find Grace packing. She explains what Michael did, and she's sick of this fucking family. She's off to hell after all. Aggie has other ideas, though, and stands in front of the door. You're going nowhere, so sit your ass down. Yeah. The way, the way that... The way that this escalates to the point where Grace is insulting the whole family. The whole family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't didn't love that. <laughs> Aggie telling a grown woman that she cannot leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't love that either. Nope. Ed tries to find some middle ground here. What will it take to get her to stay? Grace announces that she wants a renovated house and she gives them five minutes to decide. Which isn't even renovated yet. So Michael, who has disappeared, is now back in the house. He makes a plea for Grace to stay. He says he'll always care for her and be the best daddy can be, and he never meant to hurt her. She feels like a fool. He can't lie to her just to keep her there, and whatever she decides, so long as he gets to see Glory, he has her blessing. So Grace goes to see Ed and Aggie in the Rovers. And And with this conversation... With this conversation where Michael's like, you know what, If, if you need to move away, that's fine. You know. You do you. Right. I thought, oh, well, good. This will deflate this. She'll move to Hull with her aunt. He'll get to see Glory on the weekends, which, you know, let's be honest. He doesn't see that kid very often. You don't see him with that kid very often. They do this rock, paper, scissor things to see who's going to go and take care of her when she cries. And we find out that Grace has lost 
rock, paper, scissors to Michael four times in a row. And Michael doesn't step up and say, you know what? You're right. I'll take care of her this time. Doesn't seem like a great dad Mm. to begin with. Yeah, I think the insinuation is that he is. We just don't get to see it. Right. Maybe we should see it. Maybe maybe if you show us that he's a good dad, we'll feel more for him and less for Grace in this situation. But, yeah, you'd think that this would deflate it. It should be like, okay, yeah. Oh, well, then I will just move to Hull then. And that would be the end of it. But no, no, we have to continue to make Grace a bad guy again. Ah. Mm. <sighs> So Grace goes to see Edna again the Rovers and tells them that Michael has given his blessing to leave. Now give me that house or I'm off, she says. What a bitch, says Aggie. You've got until tomorrow to make up your mind, says Grace. That five minutes, obviously, striking her has been an insufficient time to make such a decision. Yes. So on Friday, things are still awkward in the Bailey household. Michael thinks that because Grace hasn't left, it means that she still wants to co-parent, not realising that she has a pending blackmail decision that she's waiting on. Right, yeah, because nobody's allowed to tell Michael about this. Grace goes to the builder's yard for Ed's decision. He agrees that she can stay in the house rent-free, but it stays in his name. And Grace is furious about this, but reluctantly accepts. Back home, Ed confirms the deal is done and the whole reason that they're agreeing to this is so they can see glory. Agate rushes off to work. They're going to need all the money they can get their hands on thanks to this development. Later, Grace insists she really is grateful and sorry for all the blackmail and stuff, but she didn't have a choice. She's a single mum with a criminal record. And Michael comes in and learns the plan that Grace will be living round the corner in the renovated house. Hull can breathe again. And that's as far as we get with that this week. What I want to know is, where does Ed get the money to buy another house when a couple of weeks ago he couldn't pay Paul? Right. Yeah, there's that. He does say that business is picking up now that people are, you know... In the last two weeks. Breathing and and wanting to do renovations and stuff again, which is funny because people were wanting to do renovations and stuff during the actual pandemic because they were forced to stay in their homes for so long. Mm. So, I mean, I guess I could kind of understand that. Although, yes, he wasn't able to pay Paul two weeks ago. And and yet in the in the incoming two weeks, this is why he wasn't able to pay Paul because he bought this freaking house. There are four wages going into that house. Yeah. <laughs> One of them a footballer. Right. One of them a footballer who got 50 grand for a stupid magazine interview right so surely he's getting paid a pretty penny yes but let's not forget aggie said she didn't want any of that money Mm. so michael and they're living this is an inconvenience to the whole storyline is that the baileys should be loaded they should be but they insist to their children that they don't want any of their money and they're living there rent free even though they're adults who could afford their own you would think could afford their own places that's, that's madness. Because, that's because, madness. Because when James got that 50 grand, first he wanted to give some of it to Aggie. Right. And then he said, well, maybe I should think about moving out. And Aggie's like, no, no, no. I want you to live here for the rest of your life. Right. Creepy, but sure. <laughs> that, uh, it's None of this makes any sense. Th- this is my problem with th- this week right. in general, is that every storyline had at least one thing in it that didn't make an ounce of sense. And the villainization, once again, of Grace, you know, this whole, 
you know, a woman is fine until until she gets dumped again poorly by a dude who had sex with her, even though he knew then that he didn't love her and didn't want to get back together with her. You know, the villain here is Michael. The villain here is Michael, not Grace. I'm not sure there's any villain here. The villain here is Michael. Mm. He did not handle any of this very well. No, but the fact that she's living with him is stupid right from the start. Well, lots of people are forced to live with people that... <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Lots of people are forced to live with women who pretend to have babies that are theirs that aren't even the woman's baby. It's right. a story as old as time. It just... It no, just, it, it annoys me. It, it does. It didn't it make sense me that, that for Grace to... thought that she was going to actually actually get a house. Right? Does she think she's Daniel here? Yeah. Yeah. So her I'm... reaction to, you know, that I'm not, we're not signing this house into your name or anything, right? Right. Yeah. But you can live there and free because you could just like sell sell it on and and move to Hull. Right. And she's like, oh yeah, I guess I could do that. Yeah. Ed's not the villain here. No, Ed's not the villain. Mm. And I, again, I, I don't care if you move to Hull. Uh, move to Hull. Don't move to Hull. I don't care. It would. It I don't would, care. It would be easier if she moved to Hull. Let's be honest, because uh, she doesn't have a job. You rarely see Glory. She has no relationships you, outside of that house. You never see anybody interact with Glory, even though supposedly everybody you know is bending over backwards to keep Glory in the neighborhood. You know, like I said, that baby cries, Grace is the one who has to take care of it. You never see Michael be the one to take care of that baby. Well, you don't really see her taking care of it either. You just hear about it. You see you see her more than him, mm-hmm. you know, and you'd think if he loves this baby so much and he wants to keep her around, he'd be like, no, wait, I will go and take care of this baby instead of sitting on the couch and watching you take care of the baby yet again. This baby is wide awake. This, this baby, baby is, is sleeping soundly. That's because this baby's mother gives it gin. Drink gin. Our penultimate storyline after that advertisement break for gin is feeling groovy. Hilarious for two people who are now sober to be promoting gin. On Friday, outside the funeral parlour, there's nearly fisticuffs as Bernie shouts scum. At Todd and Eileen takes exception to it. She can say what she likes about her son, but she'll be fucked if she's going to sit back and let Bernie pile on. Todd is touched, but not like that. Yes, because Eileen subscribes to the Evelyn Book of Love. Right. We'll wait for complaints about this. <laughs> Inside, Todd's got the marigolds on and is cleaning out the storage room. The Undertaker. Right, because, like Daisy. Like Daisy, he's tried to win back the good graces of his boss and, you know, and father figure right. by scrubbing. Right. The Undertaker seems unsettled about this and offers to take over, but Todd is hearing none of it and goes back to work. Right, yeah. It's, it, the Undertaker is creeped out by his closet. Then inside... For some reason... Then Eileen, who doesn't work at the funeral parlour, goes round to the funeral parlour with coffees and a hot chocolate for Todd. Because Todd is a child. Todd bursts in. I've never liked hot chocolate, but I like hot chocolate now. I like a wee hot chocolate. It's good. 
Because you've developed a sweet tooth now that you're sober. Right. Todd bursts in furious with The Undertaker, but quickly pivots when he sees his mum and blames a spider. The Undertaker laughs. He's not some arachnid pied piper. This isn't my fault. Mm-hmm. They all laugh. Eileen ah, leaves. Ah, ah, and Todd ah. reveals that he's just found the ashes of one pat fucking feeling. <laughs> what gives? It's hilarious because... You know, there's been spoilers for months that Pat Phelan was going to make a return to the street. Oh, was it? And this is it? And there's all this speculation about how that's going to happen, if it's going to be a dream sequence, or or he's going to be a ghost, or it's going to be his twin brother. Oh, I'm glad that this is it. <laughs> yes. There was yeah. lots of people complaining about the size of the urn. Urns are big. Yeah. And it's not really even an urn. It's a tube. It's a cardboard tube, like what you'd get... Posters delivered. Right. right. This is either Pat feeling or it's a female tennis player scratching her arse. <laughs> Flustered, the Undertaker says no one has claimed them. Nicola doesn't want them and he can't tell Eileen about it. Although, when Phelan died, he didn't really know Eileen. So, he could have? Why did nobody say... Because it was, um, what's his face? His dad. Yeah, it was Undertaker senior. It was yeah. Archie who was the undertaker at that point. Right. Who I presume could have told Eileen, like, because this was like three years ago. Yeah, you, yeah. 2017. 18. 18? Because we covered it when we started this in 18, yeah. But for sure it said 2017 on that, on that cardboard tube. But yeah. anyway. So anyway, Todd goes to flush them down the uh, down the lobby, but the undertaker points out that everyone deserves the remains to be treated with respect. My mum is going to kill you. Even serial killers. Mm-hmm. That's as far as we get with that. This is was actually one of the rays of sunshine this week. Yes, I this was actually this funny. Right. Yeah, because he's like, what the hell? And then he sees his mum and then he all of a sudden is afraid of spiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was very funny. I, I did, what I, is this doing in the closet? Well, that's why I was freaked out by the closet. I like the fact that because it, it seems reasonable that who would want Pat Phelan's ashes? I still think that somebody should have said something to Eileen at the time. Yes, and I think that I think that must have happened. But you know, this this sort of thing happens all the time where she's his wife, right? But this sort of thing happens all the time where there are unclaimed ashes or unclaimed bodies and stuff, and there's. Typically a potter's field somewhere that you can deposit them in. Right. Isn't there like unmarked graves and things like that for... Right. For ne'er-do-wells. Right. Or unclaimed bodies. You know. Hmm. I, I mean, the and mass graves. Like, there was that mass grave that they had to do at the beginning of COVID in New York City because there was just too many people were dying all at once. After the initial shock... Do you think this would be a big deal to Eileen? She'd be freaked out about it, I think, but I don't think you, I don't think this is something you couldn't tell her. Right, and I don't know necessarily know that she'd be angry. Why would she be angry? Oh, he's been stuck in this closet because I didn't know what to do with him. What do you want to do with him? Right, but that doesn't seem like I a hard conversation. Care. Right, it doesn't seem like a hard conversation. Right, I don't think she should be obligated to pay for disposal. Disposal. And again, I'm sure that this has happened before in The Undertaker's long and esteemed career. Right. And there's some place to deposit things like this. Yeah. There's some place he can take them. 
And we weren't so concerned about people's ashes a few weeks ago when somebody stole the ashes of a horse or something like that. Right. Or, you know, Todd stole a whole body. Do you think Phelan's ashes will be unceremoniously dumped in the red wreck where Cerberus will pee and then vomit on them before Peanut attempts to actually hump them, thus resurrecting the ghosts of Pat Phelan to go on yet another murderous rampage? I really hope that happens. This this is what this is what the soap opera needs. Ghosts. Ghosts and hauntings mm-hmm. and seances and stuff. Because you know what? Back, remember in the 1980s, this sort of thing used to happen on Falcon Crest and days of our lives and stuff all the time and i'll tell you something for nothing the sitcom ghosts would be nothing without ghosts right there you go it would just be two people living quite happily in an old house right as one does are we still holding on for the eileen and undertaker tag team <sighs> frankly i'm not i don't care if it happens or anymore. if it doesn't i just don't know anymore I'm glad that they didn't, ha- you know, try to do this again this week. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of seem like they're setting it up what again. They would have done is that they were getting together and then suddenly feelings ashes appear out of nowhere, right? And that's what scuppers them again, right? And that may still happen, right? Yeah, oh. I'm, I may have just inadvertently spoiled next week. Who knows? Oh. Our final storyline this morning is Imran's TP for his bunghole. <laughs> This was originally called Imran's bung because he, he takes a bung. A bung's a bribe or a or a backhander. It's not really a bribe. It's just money. It's a backhander. It's a money that has no source. So this is kind of it's a bung. Imran's teepee for his bunghole. On Monday, <sighs> Imran has been burning the midnight oil again on Kelly's case, especially with ITV Corey having Mr. Burns' entire legal team and Laura the Chin being up in court today. Toya recommends a few hours kip. At the law office, Sabine, with a new head, comes into the law office, and it's Adam that she sees. Is it a new head? Yeah. I thought I thought for sure it's the old head. No. It's business, she insists. She insists. I'll be in the bistro, she says. Get Imran over there. Stat. Mm-hmm. So Imran's working on the blood spatter evidence and Roy's roles with Adam, because that's where you work on forensics. Right. He's found a great expert but can't afford his fee. Adam explains that Sabine is waiting for him in the bistro. Meanwhile, Gary sticks a wad of cash through the law office door because in another storyline, Maria has told Gary that Imran's defence fund is zero. So Imran goes to see Sabine in the bistro. She tells him that he looks awful. He explains his recent hours and he looks for some advice from her. But it turns out she's one of ITV Corey's massive legal team, so no can do. Imran thinks that she was only hired because of their relationship. ITV Corey is going down, he says. All right, Atticus Finch. Mm-hmm. Imran is on the phone to Toya as he gets back to the office and he's checking through his mail when he finds Gary's anonymous donation of a big fucking suspicious wad of cash. On Wednesday, Imran is up again and about... On Wednesday, Imran is up and about again early and Toya checks in on him. He reveals that he's got a bung of £7,000. Toya thinks that he should go to the police. Maybe it came from Rick the Chin. Fuck that, says Imran. I'm analysing Kelly's shoes with this money. So Kev is suddenly very proud of Abby in the house and how she's been handling things. Abby reveals that Tommy O might be called as a character witness for ITV Corey and Jack is there to overhear this. So Sabine calls round to see Imran. He's very busy and she has a proposal that might benefit both clients. And you think, well, let's sit down for this massive proposal. Mm Mm-hmm. 
ask the court to take account of their ages. Shouldn't the court already be (laughs) taking account of their ages? This seems like a nothing burger. Genius, says Imran. They compare notes a little, but Imran stops short of accepting any of Sabine's help on it. Then Jack is in Roy's roles with Sally. They talk about Seb's murder a bit, and Jack mentions the rumour about Tommy O. Sally's shocked. If Tommy O knew anything about ITV Corey, he wouldn't go a mile near helping him, says Sally. So Debbie comes round to visit Kev, who's just heard that the trial is starting next week, and ITV Corey and Kelly... Why is Sally taking Jack out for coffee? Oh, because they're close. Are they? Yeah. I mean, if Sally and Kev were a thing, but... I don't think I've ever seen Sally and Jack hang out, just the two of them together, before. Back when Jack was a baby, Sally helped bring him up. Well, yeah. Okay. Because Molly Dobbs was dead. Right, yes. Still. Yeah. He's not a member of the girls. No, he's he's not the girls and Jack. No. No. This is sweet that this is happening. Uh, If you say so. Yeah. It just kind of felt convenient. Right. Well, that too. <laughs> Debbie comes round to visit Kev, who's just heard that the trial is starting next week in IDV Corey and Kelly's identities are being kept secret. We clumsily skirt around the hate crime thing again and how it isn't being treated as one and Kev gets angry. Because it's not! And says flaming a lot. Why, why can't we just get to the point where everybody recognises that the fact that this happened was... And this is how you prove that Corey did it. Is because he had a motive. And everybody, this should be obvious to everyone that he had a motive because he and Nina both dated Asha. Right. Why is nobody talking about this? Well, it seems like the court's talking about this. This is why it's not been treated as a hate crime. But the character. And also because legally, attacking a goth is not a hate crime. Legally. But it's not not a protected class. No. Toya goes to see Leanne. Everything's groovy after last week between them. They get wired into the vino and Toya reveals how stuck in the middle she feels. She thinks Kelly the Chin didn't kill Seb, but she isn't exactly innocent either. I was glad that she said that. Yes. Then in comes Simon, who has found ITV Corey's identity has been leaked online. With this info, Toya goes round to tell Abby about the leak. Kev worries that Abby did it, but Jack admits that he was the one who did it and he throws Sally under the bus in the process. Abby is quite chuffed by all this until right. Toya reveals it could fuck up the whole trial. Yeah, he says Sally told him to do it, which is not true. No. She just said if Tommy O knew what he was like. But but she didn't say it like that. No. She said, oh, well, you know, if Tommy O knew about this, then that was right. a kind of thing. Right, yeah. And also, uh, revealing his identity online on a message board is not really... Because Tommy O doesn't need... Tommyo knows who Corey is as a footballer, I guess. Yeah. He knows his identity. He knows who he's going to be a character witness for. Mm-hmm. So revealing his identity online to a message board, how is that how is that telling Tommyo about how awful That's not what that's about. Yeah. It's about the it's about the jury, it's about creating subjudice before the, the trial. It's all about that. It happens an awful lot. Kids Kids killing people tend not to get named in the press for, right. for no, legal reasons. Right, no, no, no. That, yeah. That and, and, is under- and this is why. Right. That's understandable. But Jack, Jack's, Jack's logic is is my complaint here. 
Oh, I see this, what you mean. Right. Because he says, well, yeah, Sally I'm, I'm said if Tommy O knew, you know, what he was like, yeah. so I did this so that Tommy O would know what he was like. Tommy O probably doesn't check this message board, first of all. Yeah. Second but, of all, right. revealing Corey's identity doesn't tell Tommy O what he's like right. because Tommy O already knows his identity. Right, but it's okay that Jack doesn't think like that because Jack's 10. He's not 10. He's older than 10. He's 10. He's older than 10. He's 10. Look at him. He's 10. Maybe 11. Isn't Lee? No, Liam's 10. Jack may look like he's 28. Jack is a foot taller than he, Liam. But he isn't. He's 10 or 11. He's a, he's a young kid. So it's okay that he doesn't follow this process through. Because Tommy knows... Tommy O knows after running in Nina in the Chariot Square Hotel. Right, a few but weeks let's ago. let's not forget he didn't believe Nina, and he still took right Corey's but, side. But that doesn't matter if he believes it or not because he knows that this is what this is about. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. so one call later, Kev discovers that now that Jack has taken the post down, no harm, no foul. Abby though is in bits and has hurried away, leaving Jack to still blame himself. Imran goes to see Kelly and explains that Laura the Chin goes, uh, got a, subs- a suspended sentence and there's a little nice, that proves how young Kelly is because she doesn't understand what a suspended sentence means. Right, yes. That she didn't get the jail. That's the suspended part. Right, Imran. yes. Kelly won't have to sit in the dock uh, and she won't have to be on her own. So Imran offers Toya up to be her guardian in court without asking Toya. And Kelly is chuffed to accept. Sally is taking photographs of parked cars when Abby comes along and accuses her of misleading Jack. Sally calmly explains what happened. Abby just needs this nightmare to be over. So Imran goes home with donuts. Toya likes her donuts with sprinkles, no conditions. Mm-hmm. Love that line. That was great. So Imran has to fess up about the Kelly Guardian thing and not even asking. In her simmering fury, Toya reveals how ITV Corey's identity was leaked. What? Says Imran. In New England... Where I grew up, sprinkles were called jimmies. Oh, yeah, that paints a picture. <laughs> Meanwhile, as Kev is misremembering Star Wars planet names, the <laughs> cops come round for a word with Jack. He owns up and pleads ignorance. The police are satisfied and he sees himself out, straight out of PC Tinker's playbook. Mm-hmm. On the street, Imran is I coming... I was surprised that it wasn't Craig. <laughs> On the street, Imran is coming in his pants about these online comments prejudicing the case. Abby appears to rant at him and Toya and Toya is quick to defuse the situation but Imran is still coming in his pants so can't back her up. Thanks for that display of compassion says Toya once Abby has wandered away. So Abby's Wouldn't it be shitting his pants? Because he's not happy about it. He is happy about it. He's not. He is because it delays things. It might delay things That's but why it he's also happy. prejudices the case. He doesn't care. He won't he doesn't care about that. He doesn't look happy. He's, he looks very happy. No. He's thrilled by this. Mm. Abby's in Seb's man garden. Kev but cracks not it like down. that. She's just been shouting at Chesney about chips. She's finding it hard to keep it together. She loves Kev and Jack and she just wants all this to be over. At home, Imran is on the phone making a case to delay the trial. The next scene. Right, He's yeah. asking to delay the trial. Yeah, but until initially they can, he wasn't... Until they can... No, he hasn't, he hasn't changed his mind about this. All right, fine. Until they can impact, assess the revelation of ITV Corey's identity. And he's unaware that Toya is home and has heard everything. Erman and Toya discuss the ins and outs of Abby's feelings and being neighbours, uh, which come under his desire to win, or more accurately, to make Sabine lose. 
Imran seems to shock himself when he says he doesn't give a solitary fuck about being an outcast in the neighbourhood if he can get Kelly free. Nothing is more important than that. Not even us, asks Toya. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to this week's Hard Debate. What sort of movie lawyer Imran do you want representing Kelly? Your choices. A Few Good Men Imran, Aaron Brockovich Imran, Liar Liar Imran, or Legally Blonde Imran. To kill a mockingbird Imran, please. No, it breaks the character limit on the, um, the voting elements. Now you might be looking at that and thinking, what does that even mean? I'd say Aaron Brockovich I, because I'd like to see Imran in a really, really short, tight skirt. Okay, well, the voting went thus. <laughs> a few good men, Imran, 31%. Aaron Brockovich, Imran, 16.7%. Oh, boo. Liar, liar, Imran, 19%. What? And legally blonde, an... Imran, oh. 33.3%. Okay, well, you know what? I can see him in a pink pencil skirt. Right. That works. Yeah, I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> That's fine. I think people are just telling you which one of those movies they prefer. And then obviously everyone prefers Legally Blonde because it's one of the best movies ever. Yeah, you know, and you, you could say, do you want the Daniel Caffey character from A Few Good Men to be the person that's representing Kelly? But I don't think that's what people were thinking. No, no, not at all. On Friday. They want Imran to not be able to handle the truth? I don't think so. Right. They want... Although I, bet he looks, pink. although I bet he looks good in uniform as well. Yeah. yeah. On Friday, early morning, Imran is trying to explain to Toya how to de- a delay to the trial will help Kelly at Abby's expense. He expects ITV Corey's team will be going for it too. His forensic expert, though, thinks that there's no way Kelly killed Seb and judging by the splatter marks, it's more likely that she was just standing there trying to stop it. These splatter marks are certainly telling the story, apparently. Well... It's it's an imperfect science, but without without New splatter mark suggests that someone was trying to stop something happen. Without spl- mm. without splatter mark science, the TV show Dexter would have never happened. Right. So we can all be thankful for that. Yes. Laura the Chin coughs and ran on the way to the car. She's desperate to do something to help Kelly, and Ran suggests that she drops dead. Really. At Leanne's, Toya is talking to Leanne and Simon about Imran wanting to delay the case to help Kelly. Simon still reckons he can get his hole off of Kelly if he really tries, so he rushes off when Leanne starts to badmouth her. At Roy's Rolls, Abby's picking up packed lunches for a museum trip with Jack. She's hoping it'll take her mind off of things. Roy recaps Nina's condition for us, still stressed out and blaming herself for not being able to remember what happened that night. At the court, Imran is shocked to learn that Sabine doesn't want a delay in the case because her case is super strong, thank you very much. She (laughs) reckons that Imran is stalling so he can go on a fishing expedition. During the court session now, Imran explains his reasons to seek adjournment because of Jack's post. The prosecution and Sabine are both like, well, doesn't bother us, so the adjournment is denied. Get it right fucking up you, Imran, Mm -hmm. says the judge. And Sabine. And the other solicitor. the, the bit of this that doesn't really make sense is they said, well, it was taken down quickly, so not a lot of people saw it. But people saw it. Yeah. And people will tell people. 
and, and people may have taken screenshots of it. Right, I was going to say, all that sort of stuff. screenshots, these things live on forever. That's why even though Ash's thing got taken down, the it will haunt her forever. in pen. It really pencil. is. So, yeah, so many people was, don't understand that, though. The fact that it was available to see for an hour might as well have been a day. It might as well have been an eternity. Right. So Simon goes to see Kelly in the prison. He doesn't believe she's guilty of anything and doesn't even believe it when Kelly admits the start and everything and being to blame. She admits that she was the one that slapped uh, Nina. Nina. If she hadn't done that, maybe Seb would still be alive. So she's kind of sees what role she had in this. Right, yeah. But let's not forget, all of this was already over. Nina and Seb had already left when ITV Corey says, right. let's, let's go get him. He's so desperate for his hole. Kelly doesn't think she can cope in here for years. Imran successfully, back in the court, Imran successfully argues away Kelly's drug use being admissible, but the comic book stuff is admissible for plot reasons. I don't like what comic book stuff. Nina. Oh, you think Nina's sketches? Yeah. Oh, this is what your case is hanging on. So Simon goes to Roy's Rolls to speak with Nina. He is a total asshole, insisting that Nina really tries to remember what happened because Kelly's having a tough time in jail. Nina, understandably, is less than sympathetic about this and gets more upset and Simon doesn't read the room until Roy comes in and throws Simon out. Later, Imran is making his case to allow his experts evidence, but Sabine doesn't think the report is safe because the trainers were stored in the wrong kind of bag. That's a really interesting, that's a really interesting term for that, isn't it? I had no idea what they meant when she said, we don't feel that we feel that this is unsafe and it was like what you you're afraid it's, it's going gonna to explode up. or something <laughs> no yeah over here we say it's inadmissible and we say that as well so why did you say unsafe because we said that about well the inadmissible is whether you accept it or not unsafe is the reason why you don't accept it yeah we don't we don't say unsafe i don't think mm-hmm. i'd never heard that term for it before well, it's quite interesting I'm so intrigued. The judge agrees with Sabine. You can take your expert and shove him up your ass. Right. Up your up ass. ass. You have got to be fucking kidding me. See, this man. is why plastic bags are bad. <coughs> See, this is this time. But evidence the... typically does go into little plastic baggies. No, paper bags. Paper bags and then into like bankers boxes. Cardboard. Yeah, famously though on the TV, you, you still put them into little see-through plastic yeah. bags. Yeah. After court, not Sab- if there's blood splatter though. After court, Sabine pulls Imran's shirt out from the back while the prosecutor wants to discuss the possibility and of sticks producing- a post-it note on his back that says "kick me." Mm-hmm. The prosecutor steals Imran's lunch <laughs> and then wants to discuss the possibility of reducing the charges to manslaughter while kneeing him in the nuts. I don't know why the prosecutors at this moment wants to take a lesser plea when we don't know what we don't know who's got what. Right. I guess it's discovery, right? Where people do know what everyone else has got. But right. Anyway, later Sabine tracks Imran down to the bistro and points out that his entire case is based on the contents of a comic book. <laughs> Toya comes along. It's a graphic novel. And is put because that's a problem with what she says. Toya comes along and is put out to see the two of them together, and she leaves when the cocktails arrive. Two Harvey Wallbangers. Yeah. Imran says that he has work to do. Sabine doesn't understand why, because it's all done. As his client is going down. And then Simon comes running over, wanting to speak about Kelly and how he's been press-ganging Nina into remembering stuff. Imran ushers Simon away, but Sabine has overheard this exchange. In the law office, Imran tears a strip off of Simon. What he's done is tampering with a witness and he could get to jail for it. Simon didn't know. Imran doesn't care. 
quit making shit worse, you fanny, says Imran. Yeah, poor Simon, but Imran's right. Poor Simon, nothing. Not, not, knowing, not knowing that you've done a bad, it's an illegal thing is not an excuse for doing an illegal thing. Oh, I didn't know you could you can stick a knife into somebody. <laughs> I didn't know that was illegal. Back from the museum, Abby has enjoyed herself, but quickly learned from Roy about Simon being a total dick. She wants to brain him, but Nina insists that he had a point. She hates that she can't remember stuff. It would fix everything. It really would. Finally home, Imran explains the cocktail away as something that Sabine ordered and he knew nothing about. He tells Toya about the events of the day and how Kelly has been offered manslaughter and how the trial starts next week and he doesn't have any evidence. He has run out of clean underpants and the prosecution stole his lunch. We're fucked. Her best option is to admit manslaughter. And that is how we end this week's episodes. And you know, a case could be made for manslaughter because she was part of that gang. She did help instigate the attack. She was part of the attack. She may not have been the one to kick Seb in the head. I think from the manslaughter point of view, is was there premeditated intent to kill? Did they mean to kill him? And they, we know they didn't mean to kill him. We, well, we assume that. Yeah. Even Corey didn't mean to kill him because he was quite shocked that kicking somebody in the head repeatedly would kill them. Right. Let's not forget. The brains of ITV Corey. Oh, God. If there's one blessing in this is that we don't have to see him in ITV any of this Corey. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think we see him next week. Ugh. Well, I presume the, the trial is next week. Right, yeah. And supposedly they, 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 they hide the kids. They, they'll, they'll be like up in the balcony or something with their guardians. So they're not like up on the floor. They're not in the box. They're not in the box, but I think they're down the... I don't think because remember, their identities need to be protected. Only to the media. Well, assuming the media will be there, yes. Maybe not. And, the, and even if they are, the media still can't report on it. I'm just, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this being over. I guess there is an insinuation here that Nina is going to start remembering things and that's how we're going to get Kelly off and put Corey down, is that Nina will, will remember things and will testify. I think that's what we're meant to think, yes. Yes. I, I'm not sure that Kelly's getting off with anything. And I don't, I don't think she should. And this is the, this is the thing that is altering... Imran here is his, his, right, his overwhelming he desire to, to get her off here when she when she she isn't she entirely isn't, innocent yeah, as yeah, Toya she, said. Yes, and it was good that Toya said that. Right, and you're right. It he seems to really, and he shouldn't have taken this case to begin no, with. No, not in a million it's years. It's really unethical. I'm, I doubt even Adam should have taken it. Don't I also don't know how ethical and how okay the courts should be with it being Imran versus Sabine. <laughs> I've got, we've got questions about that as well. You know, and she seems to insinuate that she's not the only lo- She's not the only one. ITV Connie has paid for a legal team. Right. So maybe somebody other than her should be the one. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it's quite legal for her to, be constantly showing up and trying to bully Imran and ply him with drink. And well, I, I, I'm not sure I, I, if anything that I've learned from John Grisham, I don't think anything like that is too much of an, of an issue. I, I'm loving Sabine, though. 
I think she's great. She's mm. she's totally got her ducks in a row, and mm. she really is literally and figuratively pulling Imran's pants down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he is going into this. He's going into this with no evidence, but again, I'm not sure that that's the purpose of his defence shouldn't be to have evidence. He should have responses to the prosecution's evidence. Right, yes. So he should be the one that is disparaging their mm-hmm. experts' advice. Right. I think is probably what should be happening. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, first of all, the whole plastic versus paper bag thing, you'd think that Imran's expert would have said, because assume, and we're assuming that the expert got the sneakers in a plastic bag. And, you know, you'd think that they would have said, well, this is inconclusive, but this is what it looks like. But it's it may not be admissible because it was in a plastic bag. You'd think the cops would have known better and put it in a paper bag well, as opposed to a plastic because bag. Because evidence never gets mishandled or misstored. Well, fair point. <laughs> right. But still, it's just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm looking forward to this all being over. I'm looking forward to the... I'm looking forward to the case. I'm, I'm interested to see in what direction it goes. We're obviously going to think that Imran is going to lose for long periods of next week. Right. It's going to look really bad for him. And mm-hmm. then something's going to happen. And maybe it's Nina. It's going to provide an extra bit of evidence. They're not she's going, going to, to say let, something to court. They're not going to let ITV Corey get off. No, he's going down. He's going down. They've made us hate him. He's going down. Yeah, we'll be glad to see the back of him. And also, yes. I'll be glad to see the back of him because I can take the um, the, the spell check thing off my my iPad now that every time I type ITVC, it, it pre-fills it with ITV Corey. <laughs> totally. And I don't want it to do that sometimes because sometimes I want to at ITV Corey, not ITV Corey. Yeah, Simon's involvement is peculiar. And Simon's reluctance to just drop it when he sees how upset Nina is about it was weird. I think just like with Jack, we need to remember that Simon is still a kid. Well, he's 18. He's still a kid. Hmm. How how mature were you at 18? I don't know, I was flying transatlantic on my own. Babies do that. Really, the babies managed to get themselves from JFK into... Manhattan on the yeah. road. You can you, you can you, you just said yes to that. <laughs> yes, they hand the baby over, then the baby flies over, and then somebody hands the baby. Oh, somebody else was involved in it. Oh see when I was didn't nobody else was involved in it. Right, but that doesn't that prove that you were mature. Well I, 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 You've I told me stories about what you got up to in New York City. You were not mature at eighteen. I don't think, I think 18 should be enough for him to be able to read Nina saying, fuck off, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I think 18 should be old enough for him to realise that she doesn't care if Kelly's having a bad right. time of it. She probably wants Kelly to have a bad time yeah. of it. I think 18 is old enough for that. I like that somebody else is in Kelly's corner besides Imran, though. Uh, you know, I appreciate that that Simon is remembering that he and Kelly are friends, that he cares about Kelly. I like that people care about Kelly. I did like Kelly before all this happened. She's a wrong one. Right. She, she deserves to be punished for this. Right. 
but in a lot of a lot of times it seems like she's in the right she's in the wrong place at the wrong time sort of thing like if she wasn't if she wasn't there and she was just trying to be a badass in front of Corey, who for some reason she was attracted to for Mm. five minutes because plot yeah but i mean she's not as evil as itv Corey, and i think that's what we all need to remember She's a wrong one. She's not the instigator of this. The, the, well, the slap is what right. started it all. But who goaded her into slapping her? Eli. And Corey. No, it was just the bull cut guy. No, because she didn't care what the bull cut guy wanted. No, was Summer, guy was, Summer was the one who was wanted to hang out with the bull cut guy. No, well, it was the bull cut guy that encouraged her to do it. But Corey was the one who started the whole, you know, making fun of the way she was dressed thing to begin with. But he didn't do that because he hates her, what she looks like. It's because he hates her because she stole Asha is the way he thinks. And because she's a strong, independent woman. It has more to do with her being a woman than her being a goth. Yeah, but we were talking about the slap. Yeah, but all of this was instigated in the beginning by Corey. Anyway, that is the week that was Coronation Street. Well, I didn't really enjoy it that much this week. There was mm. lots of it that didn't make an awful lot of sense, and there was bits nah. people behaving how they wouldn't really behave. Yeah, and I think at least once in every story. Yeah, there's a lot of. They can't all be good weeks, as you've said many times, and <sighs> I think it's building to finally we've stretched this out as far as we can now, where it's now pretty wafer thin to get to the point where we have the trial. So now we can have that. And like you said, hopefully in a week, it'll be over. What if it goes to two weeks though? Yikes. Oh, and we will be doing this next week, probably in a hotel room somewhere. Yes. Oh. I'm taking microphones this time. Improve the sound quality. Anyway, what was your moment of the week? Um, Feelings ashes. (coughs) Really? I didn't like anything else this week. What, do you have something else besides oh, feelings I, I, ashes? I'm surprised that Todd bringing out a tube as our moment of the week. <laughs> no, the reveal and the whole spider thing. Yeah, that was good camp, as opposed to Maria's fight against air pollution being bad camp. Well, I don't think there was anything really in any of the other storylines that made me sit back and go oofed. Or laugh. Yeah, there wasn't a huge this amount of This at least makes either. you laugh. Right. And sometimes we choose things that make us laugh. So we're giving moment of the week to Todd and the and Undertaker. And ashes. And, and, the, and, the and an imaginary of... spider. <laughs> that is our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Everything else. Well, you, you say that every week. I do. <laughs> I don't. I do sometimes. Um... um, 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 um. Grace looking at rentals. Mm. Johnny walking through the rivers. You no, know, I think it may be Johnny. <laughs> yeah, the, their little heart to heart was, a, was nice. A, a good scene. It was all right. So it's, it's not that. Yeah. And it's not him threatening to uh, fight Ronnie in his underpants. No. That was quite funny. Yeah, that worked. Is it just Johnny just appearing? Out of, nowhere, out of nowhere from wherever it is that he lives sure yeah that's a boring moment of the week 
Shall we wrap this one? Please, it's getting hot in oh, here. It is really hot. So take off all your sticky. clothes. If you've ever stolen Imran's lunch and pulled in his pants and written kick me on a post and stuck on his back, you can tell us about it. We are at the talk of the street at gmail.com and we are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. Please. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back in a hotel next week with more... I'll talk on the street. The talk of the street. Cheerio. Bye.